Hi, everyone. This is Nancy John. I am the co-founder and CEO of Seed Leadership, and you're listening to the Shadows Podcast. Hey, Shadows listeners. If you're looking to make some extra income that also impacts people, then you need to look at becoming a certified leadership coach with Giant. If you don't already know, Giant has been in the leadership space for over 13 years. I got certified through Giant in 2018, and I've been teaching ever since. Just to give you some context, they used to own and operate the John Maxwell brands. They ran the LeaderCast conferences where Jim Collins, Henry Cloud, Malcolm Gladwell, and Simon Sinek, just to name a few, were regular speakers. They have over 500 coaches worldwide, working in over 127 countries, and are being hired by companies like Google, Chick-fil-A, Pfizer, Delta, and more. And yes, you can do this too. I know this might sound intimidating, but Giant will literally give you everything you need to start your own coaching business from scratch. You get hands-on training from top-level coaches to learn the exact methodology and tools that six-figure coaches are using. You get an all-in-one online platform to run your entire coaching business, even if you want to work 100% remotely. And you'll get to join a thriving community of coaches from all around the world. To get started, Giant is hosting a coaching business workshop to help you learn the ins and outs of how to build a successful coaching business. This is both for experienced coaches, consultants, and those who are looking to start coaching and consulting with little to no experience. If you want to hear the really good news, this whole workshop, it's free, 100% free. And you can reserve your spot by going to giant.tv forward slash shadows. Why not give it a shot? What's better than making a positive change in people's lives and making some extra money in the process? Giant launches a new hiring cohort every month. Now, they only have 20 coaching slots available each month. So it's first come, first serve. So go ahead and make sure you reserve your spot. If you're ready to make an impact and get paid doing it, go to giant.tv forward slash shadows, giant.tv forward slash shadows. Right, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Shadows Podcast. I am your host, Trip Bodenheimer, and I am very excited today to be joined by Adam Bubade. He is a Chief Master Sergeant in the United States Air Force. He is a co-author, one of the co-authors of the Firestarters Book Project. He's actually the third one that we've had here on the Shadows. And I think what I'm most envious of is he's in Germany right now, and I'm in Alabama. Sir, welcome to the Shadows Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. I've been looking forward to doing this with you for a while. I know we had a couple of talks, a couple of miscues while I was actually in Alabama right next door to you. And yeah. somehow we couldn't make this work out. But here we are now, um, almost a full world apart and uh, making it happen. Yeah, we, we tried to do a Zaxby's lunch and we couldn't. <laughs> And we were literally a block away from each other and we couldn't failure. Couldn't, I know. How's, uh, how's everything in Germany? Uh, going a lot better. Um, now, uh, the vaccines have really started coming in. So things are opening back up. When I first got here in December of 20, um, every, we were in complete lockdown. 
Mm -hmm. uh, restaurants are closed. Like all, so everything you ever hear is like, you want to go to Germany because of X, whether it's the food, the history, going to other countries, travel, it's all locked down. All right. Um, So lots of restrictions, curfews, what have you, but that's all like lifting up, you know, we're catching back up to kind of where the States are now. Nice. Um, So it's really starting to get exciting. What about Ryanair? Ryanair, are they still in business? Uh, I'm not sure actually. Yeah. That was, that was our thing was hopping on a Ryanair flight and going somewhere. And I, I was like, there's no way they're going to survive covid with with all of this but yeah that's very envious of you that was probably the best six years of my life was being in germany and traveling it was like a fairy tale um so i'm I'm definitely envious of you but we're gonna go ahead and get started here with some rapid fire questions before we get into your story (laughs) first one what do you try to avoid at all cost Mm, not being myself Ooh. Like, I don't, I don't want to be, per, I don't want to portray myself as fake. I don't want to wear a mask. Um, I really get on board with the authentic leadership. Uh, I feel like it's really the only way to carry yourself. Um, and, and in all walks of life, not just in a professional manner, uh, there's, there's no, no more wasted time than to blow your energy on investing in someone who you're not. The quote or to actually paraphrase what chief Gaylor said on his episode was he's only good at being chief Gaylor. He sucks at being everybody else. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better. Who is the most interesting person you've ever met? Mm. Man, that is a tough question. (laughs) We don't throw softballs here. (laughs) No. Um, and you know, I've met so many amazing people that so the most interesting person, God, like they're all, every, everybody's got a story and you, you yeah. dive into it so much that I'd, I'd hate to narrow it down and then leave somebody out. Yeah. Um, I, oh, you're killing me. This one's tough. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure I have an answer for you, man. We'll come, we'll come back to that one. We'll okay. come back to that one. Give me time. How have you changed over the last five years? In a lot of ways. Uh, five years. Um, so in the, in the last five years, I, I've learned to <clears throat> take steps back more and actually take the time to reflect on myself uh, to help with my own personal growth. we spend a lot of time I find looking out trying to grab on that next opportunity without Mm -hmm. taking time to truly learn the lessons from the things that were hard for us and that we might have had struggles with and I think taking the time to deliberately step back and do that has been an immense uh boost to my own personal growth um for just not not only just my professional career, but, um, how I carry myself personally. And it's helped me take things in stride. I really think that it's been a huge boost to, I guess, what we would call emotional intelligence. Okay. 
other than the fire starters book project favorite book favorite book um it might be atomic habits that's a really good one that was that was one that when i read it you know those lessons carry those lessons carry um and you know i'd even add in um pretty much any book uh, i you know there's all kinds of authors out there that that have amazing works you know the simon cynics of the world mm-hmm. um tim ferris like you, you could the list is forever but uh especially for our military listeners out there um any book by an enlisted author and to be honest, there's not enough of them. We've all got stories. We've got great experiences and insights. Um, the ones that have been able to step up and put those thoughts to words and get those things published to where others can learn from them. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're talking about, I'm going to translate, let's call it 30 years of, of experience, hard fought experience for you to digest in like, you know, a hundred pages. Yeah. Yeah, it's free mentorship. Yeah. <laughs> James Clear, by the way, is the author of uh, Atomic Habits. I got that book sitting right here. Very good book. All right, so I'm going to come back to it. When you've had a little time to chew on it. Most interesting person you've ever met. You know what? I'll go ahead and I'll give her the... Uh, I'll give her this one. So, uh, you know, she introduced me to you, Shay Sparks. Let's I was go thinking that. Yeah. Shay's a good Let, one. Let's go with Shay. So the energy she brings to the room, the, the ways that she networks with people, um, her, her enthusiasm and man, it's addictive. Right. And, and the amount of things that she's involved with and given her own story, which she's told on her own podcast, you know, quite a few times, yeah. uh, the way she she presents herself, you know, with some vulnerability and how much she's willing to uh, risk for the benefit of others, and it's been it's been amazing knowing her, and I have her to thank for so many things. I mean, you know, we talked about Firestarters book project that that was that was with her. Uh, you know, me on this podcast with you that was with her. Uh, me being able to be on her podcast was with her. Like in all those stories that come from it. Yeah, that's a really good answer. Shay's uh, Shay's story now available episode eight of the shadows podcast at shadows, the shadows podcast.com. Now she actually was when she was down in Montgomery doing her podcast tour just recently, Mm -hmm. we went to Panera over at East chase and Caleb Pearson, the host of ignite podcast. We met her over there. She was supposed to record with Caleb, but I don't think Panera has ever had anybody in there for like four hours. And <laughs> we were so loud and laughing at so many random things to where uh, all of our abs were hurting. We pretty much ran everybody from, I'm not exaggerating, nobody was sitting inside of Panera anymore, but the whole outside area was packed and it was humid as hell. But we were, I think we were just that obnoxious group. Um, <laughs> But it was an amazing night. We were we were literally there. They were kicking us out with our green tea and baked potato soup. But it was fun. But Shay's amazing. 
All right. Well, now let's dive into your journey. For our listeners out there, even this is always the interesting piece, especially for enlisted members, because a lot of times we have our bios floating around. People can pull those up. They can see all the amazing things we've done. But tell us about your journey prior to joining the military. Right. So um, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. And for those of you, I say that because if I say, you know, anywhere in Louisiana, most people don't even know what a parish is. Um, but for anybody who's from that area is, you know, I grew up in Jefferson Metairie Parish. It's about 20 minutes or so west of the city. Um, but that's what I call home. Uh, you know, I moved around a good bit. Um, I'm the oldest of two. Um, I got a brother who's four years younger than me. Um, and I was always a little bit of an independent child, I think, you know, growing up pretty adventurous. Uh, I was the one that, uh, you know, instantly let go of mom's hand and I'm running off doing whatever the hell I feel like. Um, and I had a lot of family support for almost everything I wanted to do. I, I really have my entire family, you know, extended family, mom, dad, uh, cousins, uncles, aunts. Uh, grandparents to thank for everything they did to support me that, uh, you know, and, and as a kid, sometimes you don't appreciate that enough. Uh, and, you know, you, you talked about like the last five years, that was another thing that, you know, it, it kind of comes up is, is, is appreciating knowing all it took for them to do what they did for me um, and really loving it. But uh, I guess more about myself, I, I kind of always liked really technical things. Uh, like the, the science of stuff, you know, I was the guy who, hey, this kind of looks interesting. I'm going to take it apart and try to put it back together just just to see. Um, I want to see what this looks like on the inside. Yeah. Right. And that kind of turned into a whole bunch of things. But I was also the person that as soon as it got easy, it was no longer fun. Right. I'd get bored uh, with it, which turned into like how I was at school. Uh, I was mostly disengaged. I'd got good grades, um, but I, as I did well, that means I had to do less. So I, I didn't really have that discipline. I, I did the minimal it took to get what I needed to do, right? Like, hey, this is all I need to do to get the A. Uh, all right, man, done. I'm not doing the extra. I don't mm -hmm. care, right? I want to have more time to have fun and go do fun stuff. Uh, so, but I, I also stuck to my comfort zone, right? I didn't... I played sports and all that, but, but there was not too many times that I deliberately reached out to do something that seemed like, uh, I'm not sure that I'd like that. I, I wouldn't just try it. Um, and uh, it was difficult for me to, to start building towards goals that I, I couldn't foresee the end to, right? So leading through high school, um, you know, going into my senior year, that's usually the year where you're trying to make sure you got plans for college or do whatever. And I made zero use of all my downtime. I knew that I wanted to do something, right? Yeah. I knew where some of my interests were, which were mostly like electronics. I was really big into computers and doing computer science stuff. Um, but I didn't know what job I wanted, right? I, I knew, you know, you got it in your head. I have to go to college. I have to get an education. I have to do well. And, you know, 
we lived, my family, we lived modestly. We weren't like super rich or anything and we weren't, you know, dead broke poor, but uh, I, I also didn't have a bunch of money saved up so I could just pay for college. So I needed to use my grades to get scholarships in order to get into college. Well, I applied for zero scholarships. I applied to zero colleges. I really didn't plan. And the reason I didn't plan to go to college is because I couldn't make a decision on what job I wanted, right? And I, I, I thought forward, uh, like, okay, I don't want to go to college for uh, a career that I don't even know that I want. Yeah. And I didn't want to do like, hey, let me do two years of this, co- this uh, coursework, figure out that I don't even like the coursework. Now I've wasted two years, probably thousands of dollars. And I'm exactly where I was two years prior uh, and in debt. So uh, I thought to myself, I was like, you know, why apply for these scholarships? Why put forth all this effort if I can't see the goal at the end? Um, So at the end of the day, you know, I knew I wanted three things. I I, I wanted an education. uh, I wanted to have some experience uh, and I wanted to learn a skill. Right. I needed to set myself up for success one way or another. And um, the military seemed like a good option. And, you know, when I looked at that, I was like, okay, of all the branches, I'm going to Air Force. If I'm doing this at all, it's Air Force. Um, What made you pick Air Force over the other one? uh, So my uh, two of my uncles were back in the day, Vietnam War. They they were uh, Army. Mm -hmm. Uh, One was a reservist uh, and the other was active. Um, so they did their time. They got deployed out there. Uh, they didn't have good stories about the army. Um, so I didn't feel like the Marines were going to be much better. And I, I wanted to spend as much as I love being on the water, being from Louisiana. Yeah. Put me on a boat. I can go fishing and have a good time. Um, but I didn't want to be stationed on a ship. So the Navy was kind of out. So they all just kind of started eliminating each other. Um, I was like, all right, Air Force seems like a good choice. Very technical, very college oriented, you know, to where I can do some of the things um, and have a good experience. Uh, so I enlist, I got with the delayed enlistment program, uh, did the ASVAB, did all that stuff. I did well. Uh, they, they offered me just about any job I wanted. And uh, I just knew, I also didn't know what job I wanted in the Air Force. Uh, the recruiter tried to take me to Keesler because I was close by to kind of like visit a base. Um, but I still wasn't sold on any particular career field and I didn't do a ton of research. I, I was just like, let's see where this goes. You know, kind of like we talked about at the beginning of this, I I was kind of like, Hey, let's go with the flow, see where it takes me. Um, so I came in and opened electrical, uh, and I initially told my parents, I was like, look, my goal is to get my degree, get that experience, uh, learn a new skill. Right. And then I want to come back. I want to come back to Louisiana and be around family. Um, so I was the four years and out guy. Of course, the recruiter went ahead and was like, hey, so you do six years, you could get A1C earlier. It's a big deal at that time, too. That's a big deal. Well, <laughs> and this is this is this is where it kind of got me too, because um, because you know what whether you do four or six, you're kind of on the hook for eight because they yeah. can get you for the reserve time, right? And I was like, look, if you got me on the hook for eight, no matter what, I might as well get paid for six. Yeah. That's kind of where my uh, teenage brain went. I was like, screw it. 
I'll get a promotion early. Sure. Why not? So I was like, mom, look, I promise six years and I'm done. Look, I just, I want to get my degree. I want to go have some fun with the military. And then I'm coming back home. Promise. Uh, you could see, see where this story is going about how I was a liar. Uh, or so, <laughs> Uh, a great commander I had, he mentioned this once, and this was during the COVID time. Uh, and, and it sticks with me because it's kind of funny because it's relevant. But with COVID, you know, it would change on a dime. It, you know, as soon as you get some new information on, hey, here's some new guidance that you have to follow. Uh, and then you have to brief it to your guys on like, hey, this is what's going to change for you. Mm -hmm. Well, in that moment, it already changed. So he would say like, hey, I didn't lie to you. The truth changed. <laughs> so uh, anyway, back on track. So, you know, I went in um, after basic, uh, kind of got picked up to be a CE electrician. Um, and at the time, you know, I was like, I don't even know what this job is. Guess I'm going to go to tech school and find out, you know. And I'm thinking I'm going to learn all this stuff about electrical. And then day one, they hand you some hooks. Uh, pretty much, they're called gas, right? They, they strap to your, your boots so you can yep. climb a utility pole. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Where, what are we doing again? Um, but it was a great experience. Like, it was something that I never thought I'd end up doing, but I had a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, going through basic and tech school, I really learned to, like, embrace doing being a part of something that was bigger than myself so i started getting hooked right um and in going into tech school i i really wanted to embrace the challenge and do well um i was like look i'm here i'm committed uh it's not worth dragging my feet i need to just do the thing where was your tech uh, school shepherd air force base shepherd okay yeah and at the time my tech school was eight months long um, and now I think it's only like three and a half, something yeah. like that. That's what mine was. I think mine was three. So yeah, ended up doing eight months at Shefford. I, that's a tour of duty right there. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so I really took pride in, in, in trying to do well. Uh, I ended up being top of my class by the time we graduated. Um, and that, that kept me motivated, kept me dug in because I just, I really wanted to, to learn all the things because they tell you, right, when you're an airman, what, what's your number one job? And I tell my guys this all the time is when you're an airman, brand new, your number one job is to know your job, right? Everything else is after. Um, so it kind of started there, but it made me want to try harder because, and it was so much different from when I was in high school, in high school, Okay, if I show up and I get a passing grade, sweet, leave me alone, right? Yeah. Uh, and then good, uh, fast forward, you know, a year, and I'm now I'm in tech training, and I am studying, I am trying hard, I am like, if I miss one answer on the test, I'm pissed off at myself. Yeah. Right, and then that turns into like, hey, let me help coach some of these guys that are having trouble, right? Really trying to dig in. Um, so yeah, I, that, that was kind of tech school for me. Um, and then just starting to build those new relationships. Um, and as much as that fed in, I, I really thought that me personally demonstrating that proficiency, uh, would be valued more. 
Um, but it kind of ended up becoming an issue, right? So by the time I got to my first base, which was Holloman Air Force Base, um, and you know, something comes up and you wanna you wanna step up and be like, hey, let me let me prove I'm the expert. Let me yeah. show that I'm show your worth. I know how to do this. I want to do it, right? Blah, blah, blah. Or someone's having trouble with it. Well, you want to like, not necessarily push them out of the way, but like, hey, let me let me try to coach you up, right? Let me do the thing. Um, now, that's how I thought I was doing it, mm-hmm. right? And having gotten feedback afterwards, right? And at the time it was upsetting, but now I can look back at it and see that it was value added. Uh, it was kind of seen as negative. Like I, I appeared to them as a know-it-all, like a person who just yeah. wanted to be right all the time. Mm-hmm. And that was never my intent. My intent was just like, Hey, I, not only do I want to prove my own self-worth, right. And show that I, I know what I'm doing and I'm worthy. Uh, but I, I want to help others that are having trouble. Problem is, is the way I was approaching it, the way I was doing it, the, the words that I said, right. Um, it wasn't, communicating the intent that I had. Right. But it took me years to figure out that like, that's what I was doing. So you mentioned you came in, you know, you, you got promised that A1C, which for our listeners out there, especially non-military, when a recruiter is telling you that that's a big deal. I remember mine told me I was going to be an A1C and I went back and was talking to my air force friends and I'm like, they promised me I'm going to be an airman first class when I get there. That's pretty big. And they were like, okay, good, good job. <laughs> but um, yeah, when you were talking about the the feedback piece, when do you think it clicked with you to where you started to become more receptive to, to feedback? Man, you know, it, it, it probably wasn't until I was an NCO. Really? Yeah. Uh, now I was fortunate, you know, I made staff sergeant first time. Um, and, you know, I had some of my own reasons for that. So uh, you know, you start growing up, you see everybody around you. Um, you know, when you're a senior airman and I honestly believe senior airmen are the hardest working guys we got all the air force. Uh, you're, you're right there on the cusp of being a staff sergeant, but you're not an NCO yet. So, uh, less authority, but you, you do all the dirty work. Um, so thank you to all you out there who are a senior airman, Mm -hmm. um, stay strong, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it was one of those situations where you got guys that make staff and uh, they start making decisions and you're like, ah, I'm not sure I quite agree with what you're trying to tell me to do. Um, but I knew I had to do what they were asking. Right. I, I tried to be a good team player, uh, even though I was the cynic. I was super sarcastic about most things and it was just kind of my attitude. But uh, I looked at it as like, OK, so I can't tell you no. And you're not listening to me when I try to give you my ideas. So I just need to make rank to where you I'm in your position now. Mm-hmm. And I can help make decisions that are better for the airmen because what you're doing is not right. So that was kind of one of my motivating things on like, I want to make staff so that I don't have to listen to your nonsense anymore. Yeah. So that was me just trying to become the own, the, the change itself. Yeah, that's a big, I remember having the same mentality too. You just, like they say, shut up in color and you're like, ooh, and it is my turn. I'm going to have a difference of opinion on, I'll be able to, I'll have a voice right. at that point. Right. Um, but, you know, I was still the type that was like questioning most things, which was not necessarily mm-hmm. right because, you know, 
even though I was a team player, it's, I felt like I lacked self-awareness on how I was carrying myself, but, you know, I, I was fortunate to have really good mentors over the years, uh, different levels, not always necessarily a supervisor, um, who kind of coached me up, carried me along the way. And cause you know, you have to, you have to have trust with the people first. And I think that's one thing that hurt me is some of the people that tried to give me feedback in the beginning. I'm not sure I had the relationship first to where I trusted their feedback. Yeah. Right. And, and I, and part of me, I think, was the ego is I didn't want to believe it because I couldn't see it in myself. I thought I was doing well, right? It's our own dumb minds that are we're fighting against. And plus, too, it's the relationship in general with that person. If, you know, I've had supervisors before that didn't put any energy at all into having a relationship with me. And they try to tell you something you got to work on. And But if it's someone that you're closer to, you you take that feedback. So I think that's one of the biggest things. I've taught um, people that I've interacted with. What What do you think was the um, the biggest change from you from being an NCO to a senior NCO? Perspective. Okay. Uh, in thinking deeper into the things, like as an NCO, you, as you're more narrow minded on the tactical. You really are you as much as you think you want to think about the third and fourth course actions that might come from something you're not um becoming a senior nco and you know becoming more open-minded and and thinking about the bigger picture really like a a, a system of systems kind of thing mm-hmm. um which by the way if, if anybody wants to get into like systems thinking look that up that will open your mind on understanding big picture stuff uh, lots of great books on that. Um, but yeah, I, I think, and, and, you know, you can't compare that experience. You can't compare the experience level of a staff sergeant to the experience level of a senior NCO, just, just the years, the years of struggle and change and doing all the things, um, it builds into that. I hate this question. I do, but I think it's really good for what we're doing. About to ask me anyway. (laughs) Well, I've, someone told me one time, they said, anytime you go to any sort of panel, whether it's a chief's panel or in watch, they'll do this with you. But the first question someone always asks is, um, what's the toughest challenge you've ever had to encounter in your career? And what did you do to overcome it? So what's the toughest obstacle you've ever had in your career? And and how did you face that? See how I ask it a little different. Uh, myself. Hmm, your mindset. Right. And and there's so many times that like, I was my, I was my biggest obstacle. Right. And there's, there's times when, you know, like I said, looking back and doing that self-reflection and and timing is important with that is, you know, pick an event, it happens, you know, you view it as whatever your perspective and what you do to deal with that, uh, whether positive or negative is going to be what drives a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a situation at, at plenty bases, uh, but I, I will say, you know, where I was put into a position where I felt like I was being pigeonholed. I wasn't being supported. I, I was the guy they were putting in the corner because they wanted to promote somebody else. Right. Um, and it's really easy to, to 
to just sink that in and believe the world is against you and you've got a toxic environment and all these other things and nobody cares about me, but me. Um, but what, what you end up having to take from that is, is like, but you can still do great things. Right. And just because you're in an uncomfortable place doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place. And taking the time to let it simmer and think through it, uh, you know, go ahead, take, take your negative moment, you know, take a few days or a week or whatever, and just kind of like stew about it, figure out, find something good in it, right? Find something that's going to drive you and then just go. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, a few of those situations, uh, I, I've been one of those where, you know, like, okay, so senior NCOs, uh, a lot of times it's just master sergeants and probably around the tech sergeant level and sometimes staffs, they get really hooked on duty titles. Something about like, Hey, my duty title has to say this to be promoted. Has NCOIC in front of it. Right. Yeah. Right. People make stuff up. It's, it's, it's funny and sad at the same I've time. I've seen it. Yep. But, but I've also been there. Right. Uh, where like, oh, and then somebody else is in like a section chief or an element lead position, right? And somehow that duty title, but, but we could all collectively agree that uh, a title doesn't make you a leader, right? It's, it's, it's strange that we can all know that this is a thing, but they all secretly desire it, even outwardly desire it, right? Like I need to do this, um, but it, it's not so much, what your duty is, it's what you do with it, right? It's it, what responsibility have you been given? And then how are you operating uh, exceptionally, right? Um, so I, I really dove into the whole like grow where you're planted thing and turn that into more of a mindset, like a, building a growth mindset was really important to me. Uh, and some of that took time. Right. There was times when I was definitely pissed off. Um, you know, there was, uh, while I was at, uh, Davis Mothin Air Force Base. Right. So I got there as a tech, ended up making master. And, uh, I, I can't remember. I was probably, I was probably a little over a year as a master and still trying to figure out stuff. Right. But you have that, yeah. those mentalities. Uh, and this was the time when, deployments were really big and they were starting to do the big chunks right like a 60 40 split what, what year was this uh i got to davis moth in i think september of 12 okay i left in early 13 we were there at the same time oh man we could have got breakfast burritos yeah, yeah. we might have passed each other at probably did yeah <laughs> <laughs> stood, stood in line behind you at a taco stand. Say EG's is how he's yeah. right outside the gate. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, that's where everybody went for all the goodies. The slushies um, and stuff they had. God, so good. Now I want one. <laughs> um, so yeah, but uh, you know, so we were in a moment where the, the majority of the squadron was deployed, right? Uh, to include the chief. So our, our senior stepped up to sit in the chief billet. We had very few master sergeants around. Uh, a good bit of them were in what you can consider as like uh, 
like section chief, superintendent type positions, right? And here I was like pretty much the only master sergeant who was a shop in COIC. And I'm thinking, well, why, why am I not being given this opportunity? Why am I not in that position to do those things? Uh, so I was like, okay, so I kind of have less responsibility, but I can still do a lot of great things with what, what, what's been given to me. So rather than focus on what I don't have, I put a lot of effort into what I did have. Yeah. And I had a shop that really needed leadership. So I, I fed into them. Um, I fed into them. Our shop started winning a ton of awards. Uh, we were doing a lot of awesome things. And because I had some really great NCOs, it gave me a little bit of float time. So I started backing up the first sergeant uh, and, and doing a few other different things. And because I did that, you know, I ended up being the only uh, senior NCO who stratted that year out of that squadron. Wow. Um, and again, I, with an NCOIC title, right, my job was to run a shop of 35 uh, people, right, uh, about eh, seven civilians and the rest military. Um, and yeah, did super well, right? And that was one of those moments that was like, it was a kind of a crucible, but it, it also proved the point of grow where your planet works. And I use that as an example when I try to get guys to get off that on like, oh, I need to be in this position. No, you don't. You just need to take advantage of the position you're in. But that moment, that as soon as they did that to me, fighting through that was a hard lesson for me. Yeah. Yeah. You, you brought up something when you started with this and you were talking about it's not the duty title. It's what you do with it. And um, John Levitow Jr. was talking about that on a episode five of the shadows podcast in the archives but uh he was talking about how people win the levito award for example they're not defined by winning that it's what you do with that award after the fact he's like that's just a launching pad it's what you actually do with it um after that and you also spoke about in between that eg's and the achievements uh what do you think for you personally or professionally has been the biggest achievement that uh you've obtained since you've been in the military Honestly, um, my biggest achievement is, is the things that others, I've been able to help others do, right? Uh, me feeding into them and investing in them and watching that growth of amazing potential mm -hmm. come out. Um, that's been the most rewarding leadership experience that I have. It, it has None of my accomplishments, all, or I should say all of my accomplishments pale in comparison to what I feel from that energy return on, you know, because you never know the, the length at which it'll go, right? You help one person and they help two or whatever, like this could be years later, you know, and I've had airmen reach out to me like, hey, you know, back in whatever day, you know, you did this for me and I took that and I've been able to do this since then. And you're like, holy hell, like, I ne you never know the extent. Isn't that crazy? Um, and I, I gained so much from it. It just makes me want to do it more. That, that's why I really love getting out amongst the airmen and, and trying to feed into them as much as I can. Um, because that, 
that's what I would call my most amazing experience. My most remarkable accomplishment is being able to just help them do amazing things, becoming their best self. A great leader's best accomplishments never get typed onto their bio. (laughs) How have you been able to balance personal and professional life? Because military career is tough with families. How have you been able to balance that? Uh, Really poorly, um, (laughs) to be honest. So especially in the beginning of the career, beginning of the career, um, I was dug in to do so many things. I was trying to do all the things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you start sacrificing family time and taking it too much for granted. You know, you come home and your wife's like, oh, it's okay. You can go do this or it's okay. You can go do this. And um, you don't realize what they're really giving to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Or what you're robbing of yourself. Um, And then only to be mad about it later. Right. And you you start building those really bad habits. Uh, Those kind of came to a head. uh, And I really realized how much I was doing it by the time I was a master sergeant. Right. So, you know, after I left Holloman, Holloman wasn't too bad. I, I had a good back and forth. I spent a good bit of time with my wife and I don't have any children. So, it, there wasn't that, that other commitment, I would say. Yeah. Um, and so it, I guess it became easier to take that for granted because my wife was so willing to let me do things. Right. Uh, but yeah, so I went to my second base, which was Tyndall and I was assigned to a unit where we did a lot of TDYs. So we were TDY probably better than 200 days out of the year on mm. average. Um, but it was like, hey, go go out for a week. You're going to come back. Go out for like two weeks. You're going to come back. Go out for a month. Like you you never really knew how long you were going to be gone for. And you also never knew how long you're going to be back for. So it came really hard to plan things and do any yeah. like actually. I mean, hell, I had one. Uh, me it, and we have small teams, right? Like two people, maybe three. I ended up driving down. I think we were at McDill Air Force Base. And so not too far from Tyndall, right? Um, and we finished all our briefings and we did our, our outbrief with that command team and, uh, after we did our work for the week. And uh, we're at the gas station and I'm calling my foreman. And I'm like, hey, by the way, you know, we're on our way back. This is Friday, right? Uh, I figure, hey, I'm, we'll make it back tonight. I'll have the weekend, right? And then whatever goes on next week, maybe take leave, what have you. And uh, he tells me on the phone right there, hey, by the way, when you get home, don't unpack your bag. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, on Monday, we need you and the guy you're with to head out and gave us another. They already had another TDY set for us. Jeez. <laughs> right. In the opposite direction. So we, I think that time we ended up driving to uh, Cape Cod, maybe. How did that go over when you got home? Oh, not good. Yeah. Not good. Uh, it was like, why? pretty much my wife was like, why'd you even come home? Just You should have just drove straight through. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a lot of tensions. That, that entire assignment was really hard on family life because it was so unpredictable. What about? I, mean, I would say it was also really fun to go do all the TDYs and travel a lot. Like we, we went all kinds of crazy places. Some of the funnest uh, 
TD wise and, and some of the most rewarding work I've been able to do. And, and as far as on a technical aspect, as like an NCO, uh, man, the challenge to do some of the things that we got to do, that was a lot of growth for me, but at a serious cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of listeners, especially non-military listeners can relate to it a lot, but uh, the stress it has of deployments and TDYs and... Well, and to be honest, deployments we, between my wife and I, deployments almost became easier. So that assignment was so tough mm. because, okay, a, a deployment, right? Okay. You get told on this day, you're going to leave to whatever country. You could plan it. Yeah. Right. Not only do I know I'm leaving, I have a return date. Mm-hmm. And when I return, you're not, you can't touch me for X amount of time. Yeah. Right. I get R and R on the back end. Like you could plan things. This was like, Hey, you know, two weeks you're from on, now, two weeks from now, you're leaving for three weeks. Okay, you're on cool. call basically. Right. And there was times when we're on the road for like, you know, base X uh, for two weeks and the call comes in like, Hey, when y'all are done there, instead of coming back, why don't you go over to this base as well? Since you're already there, you're like close to it. Just, you know, add on to the trip. Yeah. So because it was so unpredictable, uh, it, it made, it made it tougher. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's, so I, I did that for four years. Ooh. That little, those, that short stint, you know, I say short, but it was four years, you know, between all the jobs and everything like that, mm-hmm. I, I'd even say like, that's really where, I learned about, uh, you know, owning failure, but sharing the successes, right? Yeah. So we had a really small team, only eight guys. It was two civilians and the rest were military. And we'd usually go out in teams of two, right? So at some point in time, I'm the NCOIC of the shop as a young tech sergeant. And if, if I'm out at a base, me and somebody else, and I got two other people at another base and two other people at another base, something bad happens at one of those other bases. Yeah. Who's responsible? Yeah. Right. So I, I took that as me. I took that as me is that like, hey, you know, I got to be the umbrella. And the other thing is, was, I guess, it, and it was a hard lesson because sometimes it happened, you know, and when bad something happens and you get the phone call like, hey, by the way, this happened. What's up? Why did you guys screw up so much? How did you let this happen? And you want to be mad at them, right? You want to be mad at them, but I had to learn to go like, okay, well, I know it, it sounds weird to like, just say, we'll blame myself. But the way I looked at it was one way or another, I turned, turned accountability to, uh, well, did we resource the team correctly? Did they have everything they need? Did they have all the training that was needed to do it? Uh, did we, was the team composition right or wrong? Right. Did we fail in the trip planning phase of this? Uh, So it was all these things where, and that's really where I turned it into a routine of, okay, I got it. Failure is going to happen. Number one, accept that it happened. Uh, Because dwelling on it's not going to do you any good. But as soon as you accept that it happened, you can start learning from what you did or didn't do. And then make that promise, make that commitment of, this will never happen again. Yeah. We might fail again, but not like this. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I've noticed too, about hearing a lot of your story is 
you know, currently a chief master sergeant in the Air Force, you're still very motivated. What is it that has kept that fire burning uh, for that long with you? Uh, it's probably, you know, not to sound corny or anything, but like it goes back to the reason that I even wanted to attain this rank to begin with. Um, and that kind of goes back to the beginning of the story, right? When I, when I, because what you didn't ask me is, is how did I go from six years and out to now I'm past 18? Yeah. Right. So the camaraderie stuck in, uh, being part of something that was bigger than myself, wanting to do more, um, and, and meeting some great mentors along the way. And, you know, one of those happened to be the first command chief that I ever really, uh, put eyes on, which was at Holloman Air Force Base, um, and if he's ever out there listening, uh, Bruce the Bulldog Barton, uh, excellent command chief, um, ended up in his office one time. And this was because I was part of the Airmen's Council. And that's a funny story in itself. But uh, he really taught a lesson about how it, it's, it's not about me, right? And, that, and I internalized that, that it, it wasn't about me. And... Um, and in that, along with some other things like we talked about, like uh, wanting to help make change so that things are better, right? I, I understood that as like the rank structure goes up, like, okay, you, you become an NCO, you're, you're more of a leader, right? Or you're in a leadership position, let's say, uh, and you have some influence over a small group of airmen. Yeah, typically it's like a handful, like, yeah, five maybe um, as a staff sergeant. Uh, well, you could do your best to control their environment and, and try to make it better for them um, and help grow them into being great leaders. Uh, but I also saw that if I want to do expand that, I need to have greater position. So in, as a tech, okay, maybe now it's like 20 or 30 folks. As a master sergeant, maybe it's 50 or 60 folks, you know, and, and on up, right? it starts just exponentially growing. And I saw that as I, as I moved up, I, my circle of influence grew uh, and, and my ability to affect positive change grew. And just my drive for wanting to do that is kind of what keeps me going. And like we said, you know, like the, the energy I get as a return on investment when I invest in those, uh, those airmen now keeps me excited, man. Like, I, I love doing it. And that's such a good feeling too. When you, like you mentioned earlier, you hear back from someone and something you may not even know that you did. And I think I reached out to someone from Davis Mothin and I told them, Hey, thank you for such and such. And they, they were like, I'm so glad to hear from you, but I don't even remember doing that, but okay. Wow. And I know that had to be a rewarding feeling. My ring light attracted this pterodactyl sized mosquito that came in here and <laughs> As you're sitting there talking to me, for those of you that cannot see, I'm sitting here like swatting this thing away. But anyways, but yeah. So speaking about the motivation piece, talk to our listeners about your weekly motivations that you have. Oh, yeah. So I started up a, uh, a weekly email. I send it out every Monday. I call it Motivation Monday. And um, it's pretty much a short story uh, related to a quote. Um, and I'll break that down a little bit on how it started. So 
uh, I ended up getting an office that had a whiteboard in it. Well, I wasn't sure what I wanted to put on the whiteboard, but I thought at least something that would motivate me throughout the week that would keep me going is, uh, you know, some, some motivational quote or whatever that I could look at every day and, and remind me of like why I'm doing whatever, right? Uh, we've all seen all the motivational quote stuff. Uh, some of them we tie to, but whatever. Um, but as I started doing this, Airman coming by my office would see it. And then it always tended to drive a conversation. Yeah. Right. Um, and sometimes the conversations get deep. Sometimes it's like, Hey, that's a really great quote. I like that. And they leave the office. Um, and I, I, so I ended up coming to Ramstein and at, at Ramstein, I've got a very large organization, right? Um, it's over 300 military. And if you count all the civilians, it's upwards of 700, right? Decent size, yeah. Yeah. So I knew that I'll never reach them all. And, yeah. and the conversations are not as likely to happen for me to get around to every single airman and like, hey, how you doing, right? Mm -hmm. As many times as I try to get away from the desk, I, I, I understand that it's too big. Um, but I, I didn't want... I, I wanted to invite them to be part of that conversation. But I also didn't want to just be shooting out quotes like it's a, I'm using email for Instagram, right? Yeah. Right, like, hey, here's this awesome quote that I found. Um, I wanted to start the conversation with it. Yeah. So what I did was is, and it became kind of like my weekly meditation, right? When I'm, when I'm at the end of my week, when I'm going through my own motions, and getting ready for the next week, you kind of reflect on things. And I, I track a bunch of stuff on different Facebook pages, Instagram, you know, other groups that post motivational quotes mm -hmm. and, or sometimes just reading a book, something sticks out to me like, Ooh, this one sparked some interest for me. Um, so I pull that out and my, my initial thoughts about it. Right. So I'll put some stuff. Um, but the overall goal is to create a conversation. So usually, number one, I try to keep it short. I want this easily digestible. If somebody's going to read it, it's like less than 250 words, right? Sometimes it goes over, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I'll put in there something like something relevant. I, I always want these things to be relevant and meaningful for them. That they can also, it's not just, hey, here's a quote. It's like, hey, here's how you could potentially interpret this, Right. And how it's immediately applicable to your daily life, either personally or professionally. Sometimes I tie it to something that happened recently, right? The last one I talked about, the one that went out this past Monday, you read it. Uh, I included something about Juneteenth and how hard change is. Um, and that was matched with a quote about being a change agent, right? Um, so... And usually what I try to do is like, hey, here's like a prelim of something to think about, something that's current and relevant. Here's the quote. And here's like the initial thoughts on a discussion on how it's applicable to you. And then I usually try to include some thought provoking questions that they can either internalize or discuss with their fellow airmen. And, you know, so I started it this year in 2021. I've been able to hit every single Monday uh, up to now. Uh, so keeping the streak alive and 
at, to be honest, at first I was like, I don't know. I don't even know who's going to read this. Uh, you know, it's another email from the chief delete. Um, and I instantly started getting replies, emails from all ranks, man, like airmen up to, you know, chief master sergeant, like actually, uh, I'll add in, there's a few people, officers that have, they caught wind of it and they were like, add me to this. Um, so I'm like, okay. Um, so I, I now have like, uh, some subscribers, I guess people that have, you know, then like, I, I want more of these. And every now and then I'll have people reach back and go like, Hey, this one actually really helped me. Or, you know, the timing gets weird. Sometimes I'll send them out. Right. Cause I pick these randomly, um, kind of, uh, but I'll have somebody reach back and go like, man, we just had a conversation about this. This is amazing. I, I, I don't even know, like, and this, these questions are perfect or, this is, I'm going to use this as the next discussion we have in the shop or whatever. And I'm like, hell, I had an airman tell me that like, he gets excited about showing up to work Monday morning. Cause he knows that's going to be there. That's I was awesome. like, well, shit, now I can't not write it. Yeah. Um, now you're but, in too deep. Right. And I've had some people say like, man, if you had to, you could probably stop doing those. I was like, well, I feel like I can't. But the other thing is, is I don't feel like it's costing me anything. So like as long as it added, impacts one person. Well, yeah, but I've added as part of my routine, you know, when I'm kind of relaxing on a Sunday mm-hmm. and I'm just like, okay, you know, I do like my little meditation and I'm trying to think through my week or whatever. And that thought hits my mind like this, like this, this is, you know, even if you just scan through a list of quotes or you were reading a book and something just pops to you. And all I think is, is like, okay, man, if I was going to have a discussion with an airman about how this idea is relevant to them, what would I say? Type it all up, stare at it for a minute. Cool. Good to go. It, it doesn't take me too long to do it. So I don't feel like it's like, it's not a, a burden I would say. Yeah. And I get excited to do it because of what I know it does even like for one person. Yeah. And you, you I, I became a subscriber uh, a couple of weeks back <laughs> And I actually went in on Monday for a little bit and uh, I was going through my emails and I saw that it had popped up and I was like, oh, I was like, hey, I get to read this. And uh, it was it was definitely um, worth the read. I think they're amazing. And you've kind of transitioned from that into you're, you're up there at celebrity status now because you've appeared on some podcasts. <laughs> you're actually a uh, you're kind of a big deal now and you have a uh, your co-author of the Firestarters book project with Shea Sparks, uh, Joe Bogdan, some people who have been here on the podcast as well. So talk to us about the Firestarters book project. Man, so, uh, you know, you, you, you definitely mentioned some celebrities. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, got wrapped into that and that was an interesting story. So pretty much what happened was, is I, uh, I heard, Shay, because I listened to Joe Bogdan's podcast, the the Llama Lounge, and he had Shay on there, and she was talking about supporting veterans mm-hmm. um, with PTSD and a few other things. Uh, I think she mentioned Bunker Labs, yeah, Bunker Labs, yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, because I do a lot of like support with uh, Society of American Military Engineers for veteran transition and veteran support. Um, 
And I was like, I want you on board with how you can maybe help out uh, the Society of American Military Engineers and see where I can maybe fit in to help you with things that you're doing. And that's how I ended up on her podcast. Um, and then, you know, power of networking, right? And then as, as time went on and we got to know each other a little bit better, the idea, she reached out to me and was like, what do you think? We're doing this fire starters book project. What do you think? And I was like, this is awesome. And the whole premise of it is being that spark of change mm -hmm. that inspires other people to do change, right? That like you create hope, right? And the, the sense that, um, you know, one match can light another, can light another, can light another, right? And, and you just keep that going for exponential growth. Uh, so we collaborated and it's pretty much a, a a collection of short stories yeah so each each of the eight authors all joined in and we all have like a personal reflection story on um what we did in the moment of being able to be that spark of change right and like hey this this is this is what i struggled with this is what i did this is what i learned um and just being able to be part of that with a group of absolute professionals uh, from everywhere is in getting to meet them and, and network with them uh, that I, I can't put a price on it. I can't. It's a star studded group of people. Uh, and uh, so that that's been exciting. And to now even be like, I can say like, Hey, I'm a published author. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, never thought I'd do that. Dude, when I was in high school and even starting to work through college, like towards the end of my college years, I was getting all, much better at it, but writing, I'm not a writer. Yeah. Right. If you talk to high school, me, he, he'd laugh at you. Hey, you're going to publish a book one day. Be like wrong. Nerd. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, but um, yeah, so now that's a thing um, and, it, and it's, it's outstanding and I, I can't wait. You know, I've had so many people reach out to me and like, when can I buy this? I need a signed copy. I was like, okay. What do you ultimately want to be known for at the end of the day? If I had to say like, like a legacy, mm -hmm. um, I'd like somebody to say that I helped them grow that I, I gave them the tools they needed to become the best version of themselves. That, that I, that, that's something I helped them with, inspired them to, to have that own spark of hope for themselves and, and reach their potential. I like it. What final comments do you have for our listeners? Uh, hey guys, uh, number one, thanks for listening. There's a ton of great information. We, we listed so much stuff. This story goes so deep. I've got so many other lessons learned. And I'm sure if you ask any senior enlisted leader, uh, you know, hey, what are some of the tough lessons you learned? How much time you got? Um, you know, lots of growth over time. But I, I'd have to say the biggest takeaway is it starts with your mindset. It starts with you. Learn self-awareness and learn how to learn from your own mistakes, right? Accept that some failure happened, but know that uh, you're probably the only person holding you back or you're your biggest obstacle, right? Um, and don't be afraid to reach out for help uh, when you feel like there's no other way out. So, uh, and never stop learning, never stop learning.
those are some of the hard things that I had. It took me time to pick up years of struggles. So. And if our audience would like to find out more info about you and all the amazing things you were doing, where could you point them to? Uh, so if you're in the Air Force and you want to find me on the email global, uh, I'm really easy to find. First dot last name, you know, adam.boobity at us.af.mil. Um, I'm the only one. And uh, if you want, you can find me on Facebook. I'm listed under my own name, the same on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to hear from you, uh, answer any more questions, join you on your own podcast. If you got one, in fact, uh, Caleb invited me out. So we're trying to set that up too, but, uh, yeah, happy to, happy to be of service. I definitely listen to you get, if you can get you on season two of ignite, that would be phenomenal. That'd be a really good episode. Well, I enjoyed this. I definitely think there's a lot more meat on the bone. I think we got to get you back for another episode. Once I get, uh, a copy of fire starters. Um, once I get a copy and read that, we'll definitely plan on having you come back on here and um, go over a lot more of those lessons learned, but folks, that is all the time we're going to have for this week's episode of the shadows podcast. <laughs>